Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Blooming Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Hey, we're back. Hi. Hi, how's your week been, Sarah? Oh my God. So I've already been venting to Katie throughout the week and today. I'm just, as the Brits say, knackered. I'm like (laughs) so tired. My baby is super adorable, but he's crawling at lightning speed at the moment and pulling up on everything. So you just can't leave him alone. And that's draining. I just have to pee with him now sitting on my lap. That's the level we've come to. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's my life. It's great. (laughs) Well, thanks for taking the time to to be here, even in your knackered state. <laughs> oh my god, always. And Katie, you're super tired too, little jet setter coming back from holiday. I mean, I, sure, like it makes me tired traveling, but it's not the same as chasing after a crawling baby every <laughs> moment of every day. So I'm not even going to complain. <laughs> I, it's so funny. I was just chatting to Jay. You guys, if you've listened to any episodes he's been on, it's Jay. And we were talking about napping. And I, you guys, before I had a baby, naps were like my absolute favorite thing in the world. I love a good nap. And he was like, oh, I just woke up from a nap and it feels so good. And I was like, remember in Berlin, we used to just take naps and smoke a little weed and ordered KFC. It was the great days. <laughs> it was the great days. And now, the days of long past. Yeah. I was like, I fantasize about naps at this point. I'm like, ooh, a nap. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, guys, I hope that made you all want to take a nap or smoke some weed or get some fried chicken. I don't know. Either, either of the above. But happy whatever day it is you're listening to this. Happy yeah. It's I know it's Friday. We never record on a Friday. It feels weird, but it here does, we are. But we're um, I have some new patrons I want to shout out real quick, and they both have the cutest, like beautiful, most beautiful names. So first off, Rose. Hi, Rose. Welcome. Rose. Isn't that such a cute name? I, I love it. Love it. In fact, I'm kind of obsessed. I'm that person who loves flowers as the name. Like I had a few on my list for if we were going to have a girl. I just oh, cute. I think they're so pretty. Yeah. And so welcome. Thank you for joining us on Patreon. Thank and you. next, and uh, we also have Gwendolyn. <gasps> Hello, Gwendolyn. <laughs> Gwendolyn, are you one of my cousins, Gwendolyn? I don't know. I have like five, but if you aren't, okay. Wait, you have fi- you have five cousins named Gwendolyn? Yeah, it's like a family name, and they just, it's all in our family. I think there's five, maybe four, but they're all, it's like Gwynnie, Gwen, and Gwendolyn, but they're all that's so Gwendolyn. That's so funny, because I, I feel like that happens in families a lot of the time. They'll, like, want to name their kid something, and then they're like, oh, but my, my brother or sister already took that name. But your family is like, nah, well, I'll just name them all, <laughs> all Gwendolyn. <laughs> Anyway, we're gonna have it. Anyways, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Gwendolyn, and thank you so much. And if you guys want extra extra content and to see us on video and all the other little special personal details we share on Patreon, just go to patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon and join us over there. Join us. So, not in a cult way. Just join us. Oh God. Oh, <laughs> by the way, I when I was in San Francisco, I was gonna tell you this. I there were Jehovah's Witnesses on like almost every corner. 
And I was just like, oh my God, this cult is just very, very strong over there. So I was watch out. That. Aren't they quite strong in, in California and especially like um, San Francisco? Or am I just making that up? Well, see, I don't, I don't know, but there were, there were just a lot of them, but maybe that's because there was a lot more people in general than I, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Anyway. Okay. So for today's episode, listeners and Sarah, I decided that I want to take you on a journey and I want to give you a lesson as if you're in seminary. (laughs) Oh boy. I don't know if I'm prepared for this. Oh boy. So this, I got my hands on the Old Testament Seminary Teachers Manual. And we're going to be discussing lesson 28 from the manual that is about Genesis chapter 22. Oh boy, I love a good Bible lesson, especially (laughs) Old Testament, because side note, Mormons think it's legit, that it's a real not piece of fiction. It's like this really happened. Yeah, we thought that this really happened, Sarah. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Is it Noah? Nope, but we'll get to it. Okay. So it says, invite a student to read Genesis 2, or Genesis chapter 22, verse 1 through 2 aloud. Ask the class to follow along, looking for what the Lord commanded Abraham to do. Da, 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 da. Okay, so I'm going to read it, and you can you can follow along as though you're a classmate. <laughs> And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. (laughs) And he he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So that's those are the verses. And it it says here to the seminary teacher, you may need to explain that although Abraham had another son, Ishmael, Isaac was the only son born to Sarah and the son the Lord had promised to make his covenant with. So that's why they called him his only son, even though he technically had another one, but this was like, (laughs) this was the promised son. Jesus, that's so fucked up for Ishmael. Like, imagine being him, be like, um, hi, I'm here. It's like Anne in Arrested (laughs) Development. Hi, I'm here. Hi, hi. (laughs) Okay, so then I'm supposed to, if I'm the seminary teacher, I ask the class, what did the Lord command Abraham to do? To kill his you, son. <laughs> to sacrifice yeah, him. To sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Like, I remember this vividly. Like, how did, I don't know. I don't know how in my little brain I didn't realize how fucked up this was. I just kind of like went along with it. Like, oh, sure. God well, commanded I, someone to kill his own son. Yeah, I think it's because, and I don't know if it was the same for you, but when this lesson was brought up and taught multiple times, they always fixate on the on the point that it was a test of faith, and of course God wouldn't kill him, like he wouldn't allow him to actually do it, he just had to be faithful. So you just kind of think like, oh yeah, duh, like God would never actually do that, so it was just a matter of being faithful. But then it's like, but it's still ridiculous that there's a god that would be like he 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 let me just put you to the test and be like oh hey abraham like sacrifice your son let me see how faithful you are and how obedient and yeah. then i'm saying well, just kidding 
yeah, I mean, we'll get more into it, but exactly that. It's like, even if it was just a test, that's really fucked up. (laughs) Like, that's not the kind of God I would want to worship, but okay. So then it tells the teacher to draw a picture of an altar on the board. That's not creepy at all. (laughs) And it says, remind students that after Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden, the Lord commanded them to offer as sacrifices the firstlings of their flocks. These sacrifices included killing a male firstborn unblemished animal with no broken bones, placing it on wood upon an altar, and then burning it, symbolically demonstrating to God a willingness to give him everything. Okay. Again, this is really messed up right yeah like I have that image and I know it's hypocritical of me to be like oh that poor animal because I eat meat but like oh it just makes me sad thinking that God was like you know Old Testament God's like yeah give me that baby sheep who has no broken bones which also what the poor animals have broken bones like is it meaning not the wounded just like a perfect little animal that you have to set like set on fire what a cruel way what a what a very cruel evil sadistic god that it's like you need to prove your love to me by killing an innocent perfect little baby animal and you can't even eat it you have to just burn it to ash yeah it's just you're not even eating it it'd be different if you're like okay Back in the day, you you were sacrificing it, but you ate every part of it and didn't make waste and blah, blah, blah. But, like, you're just burning it. To yeah. People. The Old Testament God, like, I'm sorry, but I know we have listeners that are still Christian, so I'm sorry if this is offensive. But, like, the Old Testament God is not a not a good God. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just not. He's, like, no. very, very evil. Yeah. <laughs> He's a very, very cruel and vengeful God. Like, I remember... With some class I had at BYU, one religion class, and it might not have been a religion. I think it was, there was a class at BYU called Bible as Literature, and I've talked about it a few times where you were supposed to look at some of these stories as pieces of literature, but it wasn't like, it was an odd one because the professor was actually, he was more saying they they are like fictional, but I remember lots of people in the class were like, no, it's not. And he was kind of like, okay, it's not wink, wink type thing. It was quite progressive as a professor, but anyway, yeah. this whole point was like brought up about an old Testament God and how he described him as a vengeful, like fearful God, like, and how he just mm-hmm. slowly, not even slowly, drastically changes in the new Testament where it's just bizarre because you're taught that God is consistent and never changing and omnipotent. But then he changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And then in the Book of Mormon, it's really <laughs> different, too. So it's like, huh? right, Right. And we're, you're taught as a, as a Mormon um, that Heavenly Father loves you and he loves everyone and he wants what's best for you. And he's always been the same. He created the universe like he's always been in charge. Right. And then you hear stories like this and you're like, wait, um. So Heavenly Father loves everyone, but he also wants to kill everyone in a flood, and he wants people to kill their their children. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And, like, if you really read some of those stories, like, I, because another thing is, like, Mormonism, like, in Mormonism, I don't know if it's the same for you, but, like, I remember doing the New Testament a lot because 
obviously the South, like they really, Mormonism, I find at least in the area I was at is like, they really still focus on mostly the New Testament, not so much the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. So I remember learning a lot about that, but the Old Testament, it was just kind of always like skipped over, like just a few stories were talked about yeah. in the Old Testament. But when you really read <laughs> some of those stories, they're wild. There's so much murder and like horrific ways of dying. I just like really uh-huh. terrifying stories in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's a really messed up book for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it's it says to ask the class, what words or phrases in verse 2 can help us understand how difficult this command must have been for Abraham? So I think what they're referencing here is, you know, they, they want the students to point out that it says, you you know, it's your only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. And it's like emphasizing that you love your son, but you need to burn him alive for me. I mean, even the question, like, what would make it, like, what in the verse makes it that we know it's, like, difficult or whatever? Well, it doesn't even need to be anything in the verse. Like, if you have to sacrifice your son, hello. Like, that would be a difficult thing for normal people. So. I know, right? It's so crazy to me. Really? Okay. And then it says, point out, in addition to the promises Abraham had previously received, the 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 command to offer his son (laughs) the command to offer his son as a human sacrifice might have been especially difficult because abraham himself was almost offered as a human sacrifice to false gods but the lord saved him damn there's a lot of like human sacrificing happening seriously abraham's probably like what the fuck i just want to live like quit trying to (laughs) sacrifice me yeah me and my family (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So next up, it tells you to display this picture of Abraham taking Isaac to be sacrificed. Um, And it's just this picture of old ass Abraham with his big, long white beard and his orange robe. And then he has his son, Isaac, and this like donkey with wood on its back. I know the exact image. It's burned in my head from those lessons. Oh, my God. That's so crazy that yeah. you can picture it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then it says, invite a student to read Genesis 22, verse 3 aloud and ask the class to follow along, looking for how Abraham responded to the Lord's command. So this is what it says. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Settle that ass. Um, and took, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. All right. So then you're supposed to ask the class, what stands out to you about Abraham's response? What can we learn about Abraham from his response to this heart wrenching command? That he's brainwashed and in a cult. The fact that he's like, all right. Yeah, the fact that anyone would just be like, okay, I guess I'll take him to this mountain to burn him alive. Like, you need to be questioning your sanity at that point. If you're hearing a voice that tells you to kill your child, you need to go and get treatment. You don't just follow the, yeah. Uh, exactly, like the fact that it's just like, well, gotta go saddle my ass to go <laughs> take my son up the mountain and kill him. Gotta be done. But you know that in seminary, they're looking for the answer of like, 
this is showing that Abraham is faithful and he's and listening. He's obeying Heavenly Father. When to normal people, it's like, um, if this was real, Abraham is having a mental health crisis. Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay, next up, you're supposed to invite a student to read Genesis 22, 4 through 8, and ask the class to follow along looking for what Isaac asked his father. So that's what we're looking for here. What did Isaac ask his father? I'll read it. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. (laughs) And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire in the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, Yeah. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. That is creepy. That actually gave me the chills and made me think that that could be like a horror movie. Honestly, when I was reading this to prepare, I legit could picture it as a horror movie. Like, here, carry this wood, son. And then the little boy is like, but dad, yeah, where's the lamb? And he's just like, don't worry about it. God will provide one. And he's just plotting his death. (gasps) <gasps> it's God, that's so, so terrifying and I'm just picturing him with this knife and the fire yeah. the firewood and the fire like that mm-hmm. is so creepy yeah and he's oh. making Isaac carry all the wood too <laughs> oh my god oh it's so creepy and then you're supposed to ask the class how did Abraham respond to Isaac like it to us to know, ex-Mormons and people who are never Mormon, it's like, oh, that's really fucking creepy. And he lied to him and he's plotting and conniving. But as a little Mormon seminary student, you're probably like, oh, he was just, he just responded and, and didn't want Isaac to be scared. So he told him that God would provide a lamb. Like, uh, what? Uh, also, I can't no, that's the question. Like, I can't imagine in seminary. How I know. I respond to that question. I would be like, Ugh. I'd be like, well, he lied to him. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So now you're supposed to have a student read Genesis 22, 9 through 10 and ask the class to follow along looking this time for what Abraham did when they arrived in the land of Mariah. So here's what that says. I just keep thinking of Mariah Carey every time you oh. say it. <laughs> the land of Mariah Carey. Yes. Okay. That's the land I can go to. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly because it's been a minute since I've been in seminary, but I mean, I'm you know what? sure you are. And if you're not, it doesn't matter. It's always going to be Mariah Carey, the land of Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey, yeah. <laughs> okay. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. This is horrific. It's so scary. I don't know why, but it's given me, like, major, 
I don't know. I'm getting like goosebumps and scary. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's because of how like I haven't heard this story in a long time and I'm a parent now and like the thought of doing something like oh. that is absolutely horrendous. Oh. Like, like even what? just tying up like how he ties up his son, <gasps> even just tying up your son. Like, doesn't that just make you want to just die? That's yeah. just such a and then you lay him down on wood and you t- are taking taking a knife to his throat. Like I am just this and this is supposedly a loving God that wants someone to do this to prove their faithfulness wow. to him. Like, ugh. Oh, okay. So creepy. Then you ask the class, why do you think Abraham was willing to obey the command to sacrifice his son Isaac? Well, because okay, so Mormons there have been like, because God told him to, and he was being obedient and tested and blah and had faith. Mm-hmm. Ex Mormons there would be like, because he's brainwashed and in a cult. Like that's why. Yeah, yeah, because he's brainwashed and, right, he's just doing, yeah. And it says, it even says here, one answer might be that Abraham obeyed because he knew God and trusted him and his will. That's just so messed up. Like, well, it's God's will that you need to, you know, almost kill your son. Also, even just going through this, like, the trauma that Isaac would suffer, like, being tied up and almost cut like almost slain to death by your father like how do you recover from that exactly like what the actual oh yeah next up you invite a student to read genesis 22 11 through 12 and you ask the class to follow along looking for what happened next so here's what happened next and the angel of the lord called unto him out of heaven and said abraham abraham and he said here am i and he, Jesus, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. I mean, the key word there is that he fears God. Yep. Uh, yep. That's wow. what I. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's about to kill him. And then the angel of the Lord is like, wait, no, stop. And but good job, because I now, you know, God said that he's pleased with you because he knows how terrified you are of him. Jesus Christ. But also, again, I know we say this like almost every episode, but it's crazy that I believed in a God who is that like bored. I don't know how else to say it, where he has nothing mm-hmm. else to do, where he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fuck around with Abraham right now. Let yeah, I want to fuck him. around with his, yeah, and tell him to kill his son and see, let's just see if he uh, follows what I say and is scared of me enough to actually go through with it. And then I'll stop him right at the last second and be like, oh, yeah, okay, good job. You did what I said, but you don't actually have to kill your son, but now you're going to be traumatized for life and your child will never get over it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, that's fine. Oh, wait, wars? Nah, I don't have time for that. Nah. Poverty, famine, nah, I ain't got time for that. But messing with Abraham, check, time for that. Check, and helping McKinsley find her keys, check. (laughs) Double check. Yeah, that's, again, Mormon God is a petty bitch. (laughs) He's such a petty bitch. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then you're supposed to ask the class, how do you imagine Abraham and Isaac might have felt after receiving this message? I mean, relieved. <laughs> like if I was Isaac, I'd be like, "Dodge the knife, shit, phew!" Like, 
yeah, I would be relieved. But also, like, if I was Isaac, I'd be terrified of my father. Oh, my God. I'd be like, dude, you almost just murdered me. Like, he's <laughs> because my dad, like hey, do you want to go on a trip? I'd be like, eh, are we going by ourselves? No, I don't want to be alone. Yeah. I don't want to go anywhere with you anymore because you have voices in your head that tell you to kill me. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to pass. And uh, yeah. But what do you think a Mormon response to that would be like? What do you think Abraham and Isaac might have felt like? I don't know. Probably something like spiritual. Like, oh, God saved Isaac or I don't know I don't know what the Mormon response to that would be I think they would say that their testimonies in the gospel strengthen that that would be yep Sarah you still got it you could still (laughs) masquerade as a Mormon (laughs) maybe I should go back to church undercover (laughs) that'd be so funny (laughs) Uh, the next question you asked the class is through his willingness to sacrifice Isaac what had Abraham shown about his feelings toward God That he he was fucking scared of him, as it's pointed out. That he feared him. Okay. But Mormons would say, oh, that he was faithful and obedient and trusted in the Lord's will. Yes, that's exactly what they would say. Now, it tells the the teacher to explain that Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles taught that although we generally interpret the word fear as respect or reverence or love, We should also so love and reverence him that we fear doing anything wrong in his sight. Holy shit. They're not even trying to like redeem themselves on that or like, you know, the normal Mormon way of being like, no, no, no. Fear means just this. Like he's full (laughs) on saying, no, you need to fear God. Yeah. And fear, fear of doing anything wrong in his sight. Whoa. Um, and then it says, you may want to suggest that students write this explanation in their scriptures. So I just imagine us like in the little corner of our scriptures writing fear God with like our little highlighter pen. <laughs> our oh colored my pencils. God. No, those little <laughs> pencils, you know, those colored pencils that were specifically for scriptures. You know, yes. I, I can picture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had so many of those. And then I had the little stickers that would go in them as well. So it'd be like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, I had them in oh, there. <laughs> oh, how funny. I just, yeah, looking back, I know we would, like, highlight and mark our, our scriptures of, like, important things. And now I'm just looking back, like, holy shit, this was all so weird. Um, but also, it was like, I always thought, like, ooh, I'm going to mark this up because one day I'm going to come back to this. And, y'all, did I ever come back and be like, ooh, that was really helpful that I marked that up? no. It was just that a potential eternal companions could be like, she's so righteous. Look at I how was, her scriptures are. I so literally was going to say you were doing it because a priesthood holder would look at it and be like, wow, like how much she studies. Yeah, he'd be like, ooh, got a spiritual boner over here. That looks good. A spiritual boner, gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then he, you asked the class. What can we learn from Abraham and Isaac's experience about what we can do to show the Lord that we love him? Oh, my God. Like, I just think right? someone who's a bit unstable as is reading this lesson and actually doing this stuff. I know. Right. Like, Oh, but God will stop me. So it's fine. Let me go kill. Which I mean, we've right. we've had episodes about like Mormon true crime where that's mm-hmm. basically what happens. Ugh, yeah. 
like the Lafferty's, they yeah they killed a woman because they thought God told them to. Like be and they get their you know uh, their courage and all of that from stories like this. Like well Abraham did it so we can do it. Yep. Um, and then it's it even gives an answer like you're supposed to lead the students into identifying something similar to this. When we are willing to do what the Lord commands us, we show our reverence and love for Him. Wow. It is so fucked up. So you're willing to kill a person, even though guess what? That's a commandment. Now thou shalt not kill. So which one is it, God? That one always had me like baffled and just stumped whenever I would read these stories about so much murder. And even in the Book of Mormon, when they like um, Nephi murders, who was it? Uh, Laban. Laban. Yeah. And I was just like, huh, but we're not supposed to kill people. I'm so confused by this. (laughs) And then you read like all the stories in the Old Testament and you're like, hey, murder just happens all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Murder and rape and incest and just horrible shit. Yet, uh, okay, you can kill in the name of God, I guess, even though he told you not to kill. <laughs> but that's why there's like extreme groups out there, you know? They're like, oh, in the name of God, we can kill. It's right. fine. It's it's really scary, actually. Yeah, it is. <sighs> okay, ask students to ponder some of the Lord's commandments. Invite each student to come to the board and write one or two commandments above the drawing of the altar. Oh, yeah, there was that creepy drawing of the altar up there this whole time. So, yeah, remember that. And you may want to add some commandments to their list based on the needs of your class, such as make, make sure you read your scriptures daily, partake of the sacrament weekly, and keep the law of chastity. Oh, my God. They're basically saying, like, if you have sluts in your class, make sure to emphasize the law of chastity. Yeah. If if you think someone was wearing a skirt that was too short, make sure you write that up there and shame them. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Ask a student to read aloud the following statement by Elder Neil A. Maxwell of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Ask the class to listen for why it is important that we willingly obey God. (sighs) All right, here's the quote. The submission of one's will is really the only uniquely personal thing we have to place on God's altar. The many other things we give, brothers and sisters, are actually the things he has already given or loaned to us. However, when you and I finally submit ourselves by letting our individual wills be swallowed up in God's will, then we are really giving something to him. My mouth is on, like my jaw is on the floor. That is, how did that not know before? (laughs) Girl, we probably got this lesson in seminary. I mean, uh, well, this is a newer lesson. So ours was probably even worse. (laughs) And I'm just reading this like, are you kidding me? Like you, you have to submit your will. You do not have individual will. You submit it to God because you can't give anything else to him because everything else was already his anyway. Oh, my God. Wow. I just. Uh, I, I, uh, right. <laughs> I don't I don't even know what to say. And also, I just want to, like, share that quote with every Mormon who's like coming at us, which, by the way, this is a side note, but LOL to all oh. the Mormon trolls last week on our... Oh, show. last week? Okay, we have gone a solid while without, like, a bunch of trolls. Last week's trolls were next level. <laughs> they were 
they're pretty funny. And I think a lot of them were quite young. And I was like, Sarah, do you understand this lingo? <laughs> <laughs> we were both too old to get it. Yeah, because when they first started coming in, because the time difference, I was already a bit like suspect where I was like, huh, it's like my morning, but not like late enough so that it would be late enough in the States. Does that make sense? So I was like, it has right. to be somewhere that's like on the other side of the world. And then I clicked on them all and I was like, oh, okay. I mean, their profile, most of them had like the Australian flag or New Zealand or some of like mm. the islands. Um, and they were very young. It was like class of whatever that would make them very young. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So these are like teens. These are like 16 and above teenagers who were just going hard. So I was like, okay, let me not, you know, obviously they're still kids, so I'm not going to like poke too much. But every time they commented, it was just the engagement. And I was like, yes. All right. Let's I know. Going. And they would say like, we're bananas. And I'd be like, okay, banana emoji. Or <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and I would be like, okay, tell me more. You know, like it was cracking me up, but they were so aggressive. And they, they were. You're going to hell. You're going to. I can't wait for the second coming and judgment day. And I was like, yeah. God, like, damn, take a chill pill. Like, if you really knew your doctrine, you you don't believe in hell. You believe in outer darkness or the celestial kingdom. Come on. Exactly. And I was just thinking about while you're telling this like lesson, these kids are getting this lesson at the moment in their seminary classes. Like, no wonder oh, yeah. so aggressive. For real, for real. For... <laughs> they were just coming amazing. strong. They were. Thanks for that engagement, kids. That was, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and they're probably the ones who gave us a one star and said, I don't listen to this shitty podcast. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. Yeah. I... <laughs> it's just amusing at this point. Um, anyway. Well, yeah, right. so you, don't give us five stars if you haven't yet. Just thanks. Okay. Um. So then you're supposed to refer to the list of commandments on the board that they've all written and that you've written. And you ask students to answer the following questions in their class notebooks, which are, which commandments from the Lord do you willingly obey? And which commandments can you begin obeying or obey more willingly to show your love for the Lord? And then you're supposed to invite a few students to share what they wrote. Oh, which, that's so invasive. Yeah, it's like, so you write in there, like, I'm going to obey whatever the hell it is, the commandment to not watch rated R movies. And then he asks you, the, the teacher asks you to share. And you're just, like, embarrassed because you're like, I don't want to admit that I watched a rated R movie. <laughs> like, do not flip or flip your bean too much. Flip your bean too much. I was <laughs> like, going to read it in class. Like, that would be so mortifying. <laughs> I flip my bean too much. <laughs> Flippity flip 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 my bean all the time. Too much. Oh my god. Okay. Invite students to review Genesis 22 verses 1 through 12 with a partner. Ask them to look for details in the verses that show similarities between Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac and Heavenly Father's sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You might suggest that they mark the similarities in their scriptures, or you could ask them to write what they discover on a piece of paper. It might help them to organize what they find in a chart. And they give an example of the chart of how they're similar. So Isaac was to be sacrificed in place of a lamb. And the similarity is that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. Okay. What? And Isaac carried the wood that he was going to be burnt on, and Jesus Christ carried his cross. Okay. But okay. 
I, I get what they're trying to do, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just weird. Um, so after students have completed their search, ask them to explain to the class what they discovered. You may want to explain the following additional similarities. The land of Mariah Carey, where, <laughs> I, where, Isaac, where Isaac was to be offered as a sacrifice, included the places that would later be called Gethsemane and Golgotha, where Jesus Christ would suffer and be crucified almost 2,000 years later. I don't I don't know how accurate that is. I'm like, um, um is that here? <laughs> um and you're also supposed to tell the class that Abraham's name means father of a multitude, which parallels Heavenly Father being the father of all spirit children. Okay. Uh, stretch. This is this is supposed to be some kind of like the kids are going to be like, whoa, that's so cool. Like, what? <laughs> but I could see me being like, oh, my God. That's so cool. Oh, so my, my testimony is strengthened even further. Oh, even further. <laughs> then you're supposed to ask a student to read Genesis 22, 13 through 14 aloud. Ask the class to follow along, looking for what the Lord provided as a sacrifice in the place of Isaac. So here's. Here's what it says. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns, by his horn. Sorry. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. What? But also, poor Ram. Talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) For real. Like, so yeah, you're supposed to identify that that God, like, gave them a ram to sacrifice. And it's like that poor Ram. He was just, he's just walking along, doing his thing. And he gets his horn stuck. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to burn you alive, buddy. Because because God just wants me to burn animals alive to prove that I love him. That that makes a lot of sense. That's that's stable. That's stable. (laughs) That that's a cuddly God. I could cuddle with him. God. And then you're supposed to summarize Genesis 22 verses 15 through 19 by explaining that because Abraham demonstrated his willingness to do what the Lord commanded. The Lord reassured him of the blessings promised in the Abrahamic covenant. Conclude by sharing your testimony <laughs> of the principles discussed today as prompted by the Spirit. Oh, my God. I bear my testimony that I know that the church is true and that God is a petty bitch and <laughs> always wants me to, like, JK, JK, sacrifice my son, JK, JK, and then, yeah. like, What's attest- with- He's just constantly flip-flopping and trying to confuse people and get them to do horrific things and also do horrific things in his name. And then they're just like, oh, but but JK, not anymore, though. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so ridiculous. I just – it's just – it is like – I know we joke about it, but it's crazy how much of the brainwashing and cult stuff – like, it, it's just – that we didn't see it, but the fact that they start at such a young age, like I was actually talking about it today with my husband and mother-in-law because somehow we got on the topic of like, um, like Christian schools, like private schools and like mm-hmm. Catholic schools and stuff like that. And 
how you have to pay for them. And they were like, but, you know, doesn't that come out of the tithing of the church? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not like Catholic. I'm not sure how that works with school. So any of you listeners, if you know. Um, yeah, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> but then they were just saying like, oh, they get it at school at a young age. And I was like, yeah, like I still, I was like, Katie and I record often about like the brainwashing that happens at such a young age. And especially like young as in like you're at the age of like three, four and we still have like those songs and those lessons and burned in our head. And even as like, you know, young adult, like young teens, like seminary mm-hmm. and institute and everything. Um, so, yeah, definitely it exists. And I was like, yeah. I personally just personally would never send my kid to any type of school where there's that type of teaching. Oh, hell no. Like, no, no, no. Intertwined with a- academics because it's right. just, it's horrible, you know, like that shit right. really stays in your head and it bra- it's brainwashing. It's it, it should be, it should be separated. And I mean, I just yeah. think it shouldn't exist, but like, <laughs> whatever, yeah, here yeah. we are, but um, it should be separated. And yeah, I guess we should, that's, thank you for bringing that up, but we should reemphasize for our never Mormon listeners, seminary is for... Um, the teenagers. So I believe I started going to seminary in ninth grade, um, all through senior year of high school. And and in Utah, you go, you literally have a period, a class period that you go to seminary and you learn like this is an exact lesson that you would be taught for your whatever hour or 45 minute class period is this. And that's mixed in. So like you go from math class to seminary to science class and it's all regarded as like the same importance and you get credits, which is so fucked up. And then Sarah, for Sarah, for example, and people who don't live in areas with high density population of Mormons, they wake up early every single weekday to have this extra seminary class before starting school. So it really is every single day hammered in your head and taught to you as though it's as important and as real as the the other classes that you're attending, like English, for example, chemistry, whatever it might be. Like, it's crazy. It's like blowing my mind that I'm now just kind of putting that together that I, we had to go through this every day for our teenage years. I know. And then then you go to like the young women activities on Wednesday night. And then you have family home evening on Monday nights. And then you go to church for, it was three hours for us. It's two now. Three hours on Sunday. You have your visiting teaching, your home teaching, all the other stuff you do, the temple visits. It's nuts when you think about it. (laughs) Youth activities, service projects, which usually would happen on a Saturday. So honestly, we're not exaggerating. You had, as a high school student, Monday through Friday, an hour at least, like Katie said, either in school or for me before school of church. Then you had Wednesday night activities after school. Then you had Sunday for three hours, plus usually at least once a month, something happening on that Saturday. Yes. Yes. And and then for like Sarah played soccer. So you had to do like soccer practice. You have to do your homework, your book reports. You still need to make time for friends. I like, I don't know how we did it, honestly. <laughs> I d- when I think about the amount of, like, energy I had back in the day, I'm just like, how the fuck? But also, I was that kid, that teenager who was, like, so lame. I I would go to bed by, like, 9 o'clock every night because I'd be so well, you exhausted. You have to because how early did you have to get up for seminary? 5.30. Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah, 5.30 because... 
started at seven because we, so I, it would end at 745. It was about a 15 minute drive to get to high school and our high school started at eight. But um, I live 30 minutes away from my town. So it was like I had to wake up at 530, take an hour to get ready, leave by 630 to get there at seven. And oh, then my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. The Which, amount of time. Like, you know, we, we've said so many times we want our tithing money back. I want my time back. Time. I want my time back. Oh, my God. I want my time back. <laughs> uh, well, that was a seminary lesson. And um, I hope that was more enjoyable than actual <laughs> seminary. Big- <laughs> That was super enjoyable. Thank you, Sister Katie, for your lesson and for preparing the lesson. This is how you would close the prayer out. Dear (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you for this lesson we just heard and for the preparation and time spent on it from Sister Katie. And we really appreciate everything that you guys, that you do for us and for this lesson of teaching us how to be obedient and faithful. And we pray and, and strive to do those things in your name. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hail Satan. But yes, that was that was exactly it. And also just how wild in the middle of the day at school, you're just praying. I'm you're just- praying. But also, again, we've been out of the church for a long time. And that prayer just came out of me so naturally. Yeah, you all, y'all, if, you, if you're XML, you know. But if you're not, that is exactly how it would sound. Like, mm-hmm. exactly. Word for word. <laughs> Yikes. So everyone listening, I hope you take home from this lesson. Do not try to sacrifice anyone in your family or friends or anyone in general, please. And do not don't, sacri- don't sacrifice animals either. Don't listen no. to the, if you're hearing that voice, you, you need, need to help. Turn yourself in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later.